0: You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. <laughs> that was new. Uh, I am your host, Colin Austin, and my co-host is the man behind the magic, the ultimate Gator fan, and, and my favorite person to roast... That is true. That is so true. Yeah. The one and only Michael Dees.
1: What's up, man?
0: What's up, man? I
1: am your favorite person to roast. It is so true.
0: <laughs> it's funny, you know, because I had a couple people comment to me on like specific episodes talking about how, how you know, one episode is like you were like banging up on me and then on the other I'm like, you know, roasting you. I have to get
1: my shots in on you every now and then just yeah. to kind of keep you honest. But usually it's me getting them from you. That's good, man. That's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. That's fun. It's and good. you
0: and I, I mean, we've known each other for so long. We've known Polish, each other for,
1: like, for 15 years. So <laughs> We're so used to it. I'm like your whipping boy. There you go. <laughs> Just remember that, okay?
0: <laughs> so, what's going on, man? What's Not happening much, man. in dude, Gainesville
1: world? Dude, I'm so excited. We got our very first. Uh, WoGNV shop customer. Dude, how cool is that? <laughs> that is so cool.
0: That's so awesome.
1: <laughs> Shout out to Evan Worth on being our first customer. Uh, be sure to check out our shop at wognv.com. That's W-H-O-A-G-N-V.com. Uh, lots of cool swag and all profit goes to funding this podcast. Did you hear what he bought? I heard there was like a sticker.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we set up this. We set up the shop and he bought uh, a sticker uh, and the sticker is like I don't know th- how much is it, Joanna? Four, five, four, four dollars. The sticker. <laughs> She's like four, waving four, fingers. Four bucks, and but like the shipping, <laughs> I guess we had like a flat rate shipping or something in there. Sure. And it was like seven ninety five. An um, expensive sticker. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, man, thank goodness that this guy bought a sticker, and like, and we found out about this problem. So I mean, we ended up sending them all three stickers, but <laughs> that works out. But I was like, dude, I was like, oh, we need to figure this out so that way. A sticker isn't
1: Twelve bucks. Thank you, Evan Worth, for being our guinea pig on the Woe Shop. Appreciate, <laughs> Appreciate you, you, bro. Man.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. So, so the shop is the shop is up. It's active. We have shirts, mugs, all kinds of stickers, swag. stickers yeah. all sorts of swag. We have plans to get a lot more other cool stuff on there. All the money funds this show. Yeah. So, I've become so like you.
1: a walking billboard for for the podcast. I wear those shirts everywhere.
0: Dude, I was hustling, I've been hustling shirts <laughs> when we were at Tech City. I'm hustling shirts out of the back of the trunk <laughs> at their open house. I I had the trunk open. Somebody was like, "You see if there's a camera over there like watching everything you're doing." I was like, "Oh yeah, that's my that's my vlog." Hey, vlog we're shirt, sure. Hustling, hustling I on the
1: vlog. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, man. It was
0: good. Oh, uh, so I hear we got some events. I'm also going excited on you
1: actually gave me something to read. so yeah, Thank yeah. you for that. No, we've got, we got this some... we got an awesome event coming up uh, early November on Sunday, November 3rd is the Gainesville 150 History Hunt and Celebration of Gainesville's 150th anniversary. Did
0: you know that Gainesville was 150 years I old?
1: didn't know. That. <laughs> That, and that seems like something I would know, I know me but, too. but I had no idea when we were talking about that I was just like oh that's that's cool oh, and then, then did you know that
2: yeah I did <laughs> did you really see she, oh, I, in knew,
0: I knew just because I was informed I appreciate that no,
1: because I thought I, was that. That. Old.
0: I, I feel like I feel like I should know these things right Alright, so tell all right, everybody. So the Gainesville about the
1: 150 event. History Hunt is an engaging trivia race that journeys through 150 years of Gainesville history. Contestant teams receive clues and seek out actors stationed throughout Depot Park, portraying key figures and events from each of the city's fifteen decades. There is no cost to participate, and the event is co-sponsored by Why Not Theater and the City of Gainesville Division of Cultural Affairs and supported by Premier Event Co. Throughout the event, there will be kid activities, food trucks, and entertainment for all ages. You can go to Gainesville150.org for more information or to register your. Your team, I know I will because that sounds right up my alley. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know I actually felt really bad because, because um, Paul, who uh, is from uh, why not? From why Theater, not right? Like he asked if I would MC the event, and uh, there's just so much going on in the like the month leading up to it. I'm like, oh man, I can't do it. But I was honored to be asked. Um, so definitely, like definitely check it out. Gainesville, 150 years old. H- Happy anniversary, Gainesville. We love you.
1: It's so cute, like, it's like oh, while you're growing up,
0: <laughs> dude. I'm so ready to get into the show. Are you dude, ready? I'm super stoked. All right, well, let me introduce to you our guest of the day. Today on the show, we have Olga Sinreich, founder of the Underdog. Olga, hello. Hello, guys. Good morning. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, here. I'm excited about this because one, we share a mark a passion in marketing, but we have there's so much. Uh, I mean you were kind enough to have me speak at your Under the Influence event, which I thought was incredible. There was a ton of people there. It was over at Corduroy's. Um, The speakers were awesome. Everybody brought different value, different topics, and it was just, it was really, really cool. and and I mean I see Olga at all sorts of events across town. So thank you so much for coming and being on our show.
2: Thank you guys. Yes, the event we had it back in April, and thank you for being one of the speakers. I felt like the balance of the speakers was great because we had we were trying to discuss the subject of, of influencer marketing, but also having people that not necessarily are on social media. So for the next year that I'm planning right now and uh, uh, trying to work through a little different concept, uh, I'm trying to create an event that will be a little more experiential where I want to do something like the difference between the real world and the social media world. So when you get into the under the influence of event, you get sort of into a social media world and how it is different from reality. Cool. Well, so my- I'm sure I'm gonna be talking to you about it. Here, so. <laughs> Do it. You
0: don't have a, like a date or anything for that yet.
2: I'm planning it to be. March or April, not specific date yet. No. Okay.
0: Well, everybody, keep an eye out for that. So, well, we like to start our show by like just just telling your story. I want to hear. I want to hear how you know how you got got to this point and started the underdog and just share your story with us.
2: I uh, was never a good employee, so I decided to start my own company. I feel like it's uh, it's been difficult for me to to stay in one. <laughs> or even within one company, sometimes even in one country. So that's why I moved to US uh, about 10 years ago and uh, basically moving here knowing just one person, who was my husband. So I didn't know anybody here, n- not in Florida, not in Gainesville.
0: Well, what brought you guys here?
2: Uh, I met my husband back in Kiev in Ukraine and uh, he was from Gainesville. I mean, he was from, uh, originally he's from Prague actually but he moved to Miami when he was seven years old and he went to Gainesville to study at UF and he never moved out. So hands, we're, we're still here, we never moved out. I did my masters at UF, I did. Uh, I got my MBA and the plan was to move out as soon as I get my MBA but again, it never happened. So we have two beautiful children and now we raising them here and we enjoying Gainesville. So <laughs> for... I don't know for how long, forever, for the few years ahead we're gonna be here. So I started The Underdog almost two years ago. It's, it's been hardly two years, in fact. It will be two years in February. And uh, I didn't, I was surprised finding myself in marketing because I wanted to do finance. And that was my specialty when I did my MBA.
0: Those are two very different things, oh, Olga. Different,
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. But they are different. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting things that it, I like bringing to marketing with finance. Is a lot of analytical skill. Yeah, the diversity, the the way you think about uh, marketing, and I feel like marketing is maybe even more complex than a lot of other fields and finance, including. Uh, the complexity that it brings with it is that it's so it has so it's so multi-faceted. You need to be aware, not just of finances in your company, but of people, uh, of economic development, of culture, of a lot of things to be successful in marketing.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, were you just kind of like out of the blue? I want to start a marketing company? To be honest,
2: when I was in MBA school, I took only one marketing class because I decided to take everything in finance and I uh, was pro- just focused on that. So uh, when I decided that what I loved doing was marketing, it wasn't a, it wasn't a very uh, straightforward decision because I couldn't understand what is the profession that would define my skills. And uh, when I figured out that it was marketing, it was surprising to me. Because marketing was never defined to me that way. It was more like in placement, promotion, price, which uh, never talked about human behavior, never talked about relationships. And uh, I guess just by doing what naturally was fun, and re- researching strategy, I figured out that actually it's very simple. I'm a marketer.
0: So, is that like that mindset why it's you've branded yourself, or, or maybe not, or maybe Gainesville or those you worked with that, But I know that you have this label of being like the offensive marketer. Was that because of, I don't know, like, yeah, like, where did, where did that whole. Tagline? Um,
2: I think it's a mix of two things because of the way you can think of offensive. Offensive, you can offend somebody. Right. Or offensive, you can take control of something. And uh, um, I think it came from my passion of playing tennis. I started playing tennis when I turned 30 years old and uh, learned a, one interesting thing that to be in control of your game, you have to understand what you're doing and you have to take advantage of your strengths and work on your weaknesses. And I feel like in business, you need to create opportunities yourself and not wait for somebody to bring them. So hands the offense, and that's why I think this, this is something that, this, this, this embraces creativity, the things that people, um uh, there's just few people that would think the same way as you do, and also my my other degrees in linguistics. So I like putting thing, two words together that you may think, oh, does she feel offensive because she likes offending people, or <laughs> is it because she wants to be on offense? Yes, I do prefer to be on offense.
0: Uh, I don't like offending people. <laughs> but you know, it's—I mean, obviously, it's that implication, or people—you know—they. Yes, <laughs> that's the point. Okay, I like it. Um, so, t- talk to me about like getting that—you uh, know, it's February of 2018. I mean, getting that first client. I mean, what were your steps in in getting that first client? Um, what were the things that you were talking about? I—I right, and...
2: I believe that I've done. I mean, I've done consulting many way before I actually launched the official company. So it wasn't new. And uh, I feel like I have good grasp understanding how to go through the process of, ex- of working with a client and explaining them the importance of, of strategy of uh, building marketing plan or PR campaigns. Because um, uh, my first profession is a teacher, so uh, I feel like that helped me uh, Construct my consulting business and have a good structure. Uh, it's I f- I think that with launching the business would became another t- part of this job is doing your own marketing more, and that took up a lot of time. Uh, client work became easier and easier the more clients you get because you already established the the process the, how you do it. And obviously, with practice, you just get better.
0: The, um, hold on. I wanted to just drop into some of these very interesting posts that you do on Facebook. I love them because they always get you, you do a really great job of getting Gainesville and especially like the business scene from what, from my perspective anyway, really getting them talking and very thought-provoking uh, blogs on, on your website. I mean, even the most recent one where you had talked about like is local talent good enough for Gainesville? Uh, I just thought it was extremely interesting. Like where, one, where does a topic like that, where did you get inspired to, to write a topic like that? And what are some of the, you know, what was some of the feedback that you were seeing in the comments?
2: Usually, when I choose a subject to write a blog on or ask a question, um, most of it is not really me speaking, it's the people around that I hear them talking about it. I find it's amazing that a lot of time people don't say what they think unless you actually ask them and then they tell you things that surprise you. And because they don't want to make waves, they don't want to be provocative. They want to they don't want to be offensive. They prefer not to ask these questions. But I'm a PR person. So I do ask these questions because I feel that a lot of people would agree with me and some people would disagree with me. But the question is, the questions are interesting to know. In terms of Gainesville talent, I've observed so many people here that are so talented but by nature they are maybe more quiet, they're more reserved and they don't like to be out there voicing their message and they don't they just don't feel like they're very humble. And we overlook them and we don't don't invite them to come and speak. Instead, we pay money, thousands of dollars to invite somebody who is very very mediocre from Atlanta or Somewhere else, and that surprises me because I feel like it's either the research was not properly done by people that invite speakers, or they feel like the superficiality is sufficient for us to listen to. And it's very rare that I hear some messages that are compelling. It's actually it happens. It happens very rarely.
0: What was some of the like some of the feedback? I mean when you made that post I mean like this this is the thing when she makes a post I'm talking like the number of comments I mean I've seen some like 100 200 like a lot I mean you do a really good job of getting everybody in town like really talking about it I mean was there anything that was said by another business leader locally or anybody that you can recall that was just like yeah. very thought provoking
2: I thought there were very good points in terms of it's hard to frame a a, a subject like that in, in one question that people wouldn't challenge by saying by saying look we want diversity we want different opinion that's why we invite people from out of town or what if we don't have an expert in this specific field we invite people from out of town of course i totally agree with that and those were the points that i I understood when I was asking the question that these are the challenges of, of just a one simple question. That's why I followed up with a blog after that, saying that, um, of course, we want to have people that are mentors, that are experts, that have proven record from out of town that would come and demonstrate to us how things are done on the, on the highest level. However, um, in terms of the post about talent, uh, I, I think what surprised me most is that I got so many private messages that time, uh, emails and opinions that I was surprised that people did not wanna post all those interesting opinions
0: publicly. That oh, was wow. the most surprising okay. thing. So they're privately messaging you, telling you their thoughts, but they don't want everybody else to know. Yeah, and I actually, when I asked a couple
2: of those people why wouldn't they pose that, they said that they did not want to be blacklisted.
1: Wow, <laughs> I mean that's it's interesting, right? Like, I mean it kind of goes back to what I was talking to you and John Dar about last last week about when you use your personal account to put your opinion out there, how might that affect your business or your reputation or anything like that and I think people are afraid to to do something so charged if they have something to lose.
0: Yeah I mean I've and I've already talked about it with just this podcast and told the team I'm like I'm going to say something at some point that many people don't agree with mm-hmm. right And it's I think that's definitely it's definitely part of it. But I think, again, like the intent is always, uh, at least, you know, my intent is is always to use this platform to build Gainesville up in, in the macro. Um, you know, so yeah. You also had a, a post recently talking about like the top 10 things about Gainesville that pisses people off. I really want to read this. <laughs> <laughs> you should open it up and, and find yeah. it and
1: read it. I'm like itching too.
0: Luckily. <laughs> Let me just start with. This. Luckily, one of them wasn't scooters, because <laughs> I was kind of like worried. And I was like, saw this. I am like, uh oh. I like, we're getting to this point where we put so many scooters on the road that like one of these things is going to be. Okay. It's
1: going to be scooters. Where, where can we find this blog post?
0: Uh, the Underdog dot Marketing, right? Okay. Good. So yeah, definitely go. Do you remember all all ten? Um, not not quite.
2: I am not sure i, I mean, there definitely is. know it's the traffic <laughs> and GRU, that's. Sure.
1: <laughs> uh, my problem isn't so much the traffic, it's the traffic lights. Like I can't tell you, uh, especially on my morning commute, how many times I pull up to a, a light and there's literally no one around me. <laughs> no one around me. <laughs> I and I will do the sarcastic right? like wave, like oh no, you come on, <laughs> like to nobody. Uh,
0: that's funny. Yeah, so scroll down just a little bit, right? right top 10 oh, things yeah. about Gainesville I'm so excited off. to read this uh, but again it's like one of those it's like one of those topics that you're just kind of like oh like I have to read this <laughs> you know absolutely i i think that's
2: that was basically the goal to write something like that i um we all love Gainesville and i know that there's a lot of nice things written and again I've already taken a lot, enough risk with my blog, so if somebody had to do it, it probably would be me. Um, a lot of those things, they are sort of sarcastic, and, you know, you it's just an ongoing discussion in Gainesville, yeah. so it's almost just like a myth here whether, um, I think it's on top somewhere number one or two. I don't know for sure. a lot of
1: transportation focused things. And I'm glad scooters aren't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, roads is on there, right? Yeah, roads, um, roads dri- drivers, drivers in general, traffic, traffic lights.
0: It's um, funny that you said traffic lights. Yeah, no, like that's a big there.
1: one for me. Uh, dating. Yeah. <laughs> if you happen to be 30 plus years old and single, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's tough. What are you referring there to, Michael? Uh, it's <laughs> impossible. Uh, restaurants, the influx of chain restaurants—that's uh, one that I know uh, near and dear to your heart, and, and <laughs> Applebee's uh, over we're, here. We're just gonna have
0: to move on there. <laughs>
1: uh, no, I mean, but
0: uh, but that—I think that was you know that was the point I was trying to make with with. These these posts that she like I always (laughs) see these posts come up and they're like they're just very intriguing. I love to like I love to just like read through the comments and see what people are saying. Um, It's very interesting to me that people are you know direct messaging. I mean, it just goes to show that people are just afraid to put them you know to put themselves out there because you know they're afraid of being judged based on their you know on on their perspective.
1: Well, it's an interesting dynamic because I feel like. If you're if you're not somebody you know that has a huge amount of influence, then opinions fly left and right. And as soon as as soon as you get that clout, the first thing people do is go back and hunt through your social media and find something to take you down. Yeah. Uh. So it's just constant like ebb and flow about you know what do you put out there? Are you ever gonna like regret this thing that you post? And are you gonna take it down if you do or yeah. anything like that?
2: But, uh, I feel like if he, if you are. Authentic, if you're presenting yourself who you are, um, there is really nothing to worry about. There shouldn't be
1: any regret, anyway. Yeah. Right. Absolutely.
2: And also, I feel like what will help with posts like that, obviously, is doing solid research and understanding the problem. I obviously talked to a lot of people before I wrote something like that. So I make sure that there is some data behind it. It's um, because you, when you are your own writer or your own podcaster, you write your own opinion. But before you put it out for people to read, it's better to know uh, what other people think too.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So what what's the
0: like what's the end goal for your company?
2: I would love to develop my own product.
0: Okay. Have any idea Um, of what kind of product?
2: I do have have an idea. Um, I don't know whether that would be the ultimate idea or not. It's possible because I know how to market. So I feel like I'd be very good at selling my own product. Because it's fun selling somebody else's but it's also challenging to find even clients that understand the power of PR and marketing. And sometimes convincing them is exhausting. Yeah. So I feel like if I'm my own client, I don't have to do that part of work.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because we were kind of talking about that even this morning because we were just talking about, I mean, before we start, uh, we were just having chit chat before the podcast, um, you know, just reflecting on, on the like the process. I I come from <laughs> here. I'm coming from like scooter world, where I'm like used to people coming in. To, they come into the dealership, and you know they they look at a scooter and they go, you know, and maybe you have to. Tell them a little bit about the features or help them find the right one, but they're usually walking out, you know, in a couple hours at the at the most, you know, and and very often people walk in and they go, "Yep, that's the one I want right there," and it's just like this instant gratification. And I was I was talking about I was like, man, the sales process when it comes to 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 marketing and and proposal writing and these different things is just so long, and you know I don't like want to spend six months trying to convince somebody that. They need this for their business, or their, or that this is right for their company. Um, in fact, I was saying I've been on, I've, I felt on fire in like the last couple of weeks because I feel like I'm a little bit back to my roots with these t-shirts, <laughs> like hustling like, shirts out yeah, the trunk of your car. Exactly. When I'm like hustling shirts, like right out of the trunk, I'm like that instant gratification of you know, like getting the sale. And and actually, with John the other day, he's, you know, he's messaged me. He's, you know, he's like, oh man, I'm gonna, i gonna definitely wanna get a shirt. And I'm like, all right, cool. And and. And I'm asking him which one. And he tells me which one. I was like, actually, you should get all three. It's, I was like, it's, get all three. It's five dollars off. Just making it up. <laughs> and like, and then I get like a Venmo for like the fifty-five bucks for you know. I'm like, oh, I'm like, all right. And I like that instant, <laughs> that instant gratification of like selling a a shirt like immediately and all the sales that I got when I out at Tech City. I had like shirts on my shoulders. I'm like, well, you know, it's just. And then there's like marketing <laughs> and media and media work and the proposals and and I mean a lot of strategy and time even even to like I mean you have you can't just be like oh this is what you should do you have to like really research somebody's business absolutely you know and that yeah. takes and that takes a lot of time and then you know I, I mean, I'm sure like you get better better at it over time but you, I also feel like out of you know 10 proposals, you know, like you might get
1: a yes, you know, and so you're like, you're spinning, it's just a lot. So, how do you hedge those effort. bets? How do you identify the client that has the best chance of being somebody that you might work with? Mm. That's a good question.
2: Uh, usually, I think by the industry, there are industries and uh, <laughs> that are challenging to work with strategically. Uh, because of either the business their business model is very typical, or maybe because there's just so much competition uh, and it 's difficult to come up with something new in in the business, or the second one is the personality. If I see that the person does not understand how marketing works, I know it will take forever, if not, yeah, it might take forever to convince them that it will work, because they will go and do some marketing work for two weeks, and they say, well, but it didn't work. Right. So, uh, I sometimes lose patience, uh, constantly educating and doing that. It's so nice to have a client that understands and values the power of that that marketing can bring, and the PR, and how the process works, and sometimes I would compare it to um, going to the gym or getting into shape. You know, if you do push-ups for three days, it really doesn't do anything.
0: To you. Yeah, yeah, that's a. Per- I mean, so, it is it, is, really it is, a good, good, is a perfect analogy. I,
1: I love the like sports and fitness analogies with the tennis yeah. and the and the working out because it's so true. Yeah. It is
2: true. It is true in so many ways, uh, even in terms of competition. Uh, there is no such thing as you can ignore a competition. Every competitor that steps on you on a tennis court, oh, that is on the market with you, you have to take them seriously. And a lot of businesses that I know, and I know their field is competitive, and I would ask them, who's your main competitor? And they say, I don't have any. And that surprises me. Because even I would say, well, I know five or ten. What about this Well, But I'm better. Mm. That that is not a winning strategy. Yeah, not a no
0: winning mindset. Are they able to tell you why they're better? <laughs> of
2: course, but of course they are. But as we, all of us, when we close to our own brand, for us it's very significant. Yeah. For uh, a regular customer, they're looking at a at a different telescope, at a different side of a telescope. For them, it's so small, maybe even non-existent, that uh, the owner of the business doesn't realize how the, the difference, the gap between those two.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm also, like, it's funny, because, I mean, even in when it comes to New Scooters for Less, like, I've been very much a, you know, the, as, as soon as you start thinking, as soon as you start thinking that, that you're the best you're gonna get a big fat reality check. Right. You know what I mean? I always talk about like that. That's when you're the most vulnerable, Yes. right? And so, and it's funny. I mean, talking about the underdog. Like I, I always try to challenge my team, no matter how how you know great our company is. Even if even if we have number one, you know, dealer plaques all over the wall. Like I want to come in with the mindset of being the underdog. Right. I want to. I want that mindset of like, no, 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 like. We, we got to keep pressing and keep working hard because I just see too many companies who think, oh, like we're the best and then they end up falling apart. So. It
2: almost feels like once you get to actually the best spot and if you are the best and number one, you know that, then you have to deal with pressure maintaining that number one place. And uh, that is challenging just by itself. Yeah. So you need to remember and that would and any sports psychologist would say that you need to keep focus on doing s- things same as
0: you were doing before you arrived at that spot. Yeah. So is that like where did the name of your company The Underdog get inspiration from?
2: Uh I feel like that basically characterizes my clients in the first place and in the way myself I felt like the underdog when I um, came to this country when I went to school when I graduated when I was looking for jobs when I started my business for many reasons and uh, I like maintaining that status because it feels like I mean, there's obviously such a thing as the underdog effect, where people just root for the underdog because it's the underdog, because otherwise it's not as fun. Yeah. Uh, but mostly, it is about my client, then, not not me really.
0: Um, I want to kind of circle back to like the whole, uh, pro sales process or the the time the timeline, if you will. I mean, is there anything that you've had success with when it comes to? Um, I don't want to say like convincing them like hey it's going to take a while but I mean are you just are you just being very transparent up front or do you like make them like hey guys like a minimum of you know twelve months or like what like what is it that gives you enough time to show that you do know what you're doing that it is a time investment by them and and a financial investment by them but but you are going to come out better on the other side
2: right. That's a good question because I feel like I'm still building on it and I feel like I, I'm not trying to convince a one single client with the PR campaigns that I'm doing. I'm trying to build the brand where I want to skip that step. Uh, the people that would come and work with me will know that I can do it. So that's the end goal. I'm um, not at that point yet and, and we'll take time to get there, but I feel like it's more effective. It's a harder route, but it's uh, more effective because in a way uh, it's so much easier to work with a client where they, for example, came to me because they've been to my seminar and they saw uh, you know, how I work and my thought process and then I don't have to convince them, that's great. Or if somebody recommended them to me, then it's I have to do that that process over again, and even though it, it's not as hard for me anymore because I know what to say, but it still feels sometimes that I'm doing the same work over and over and over again, and I want to avoid that. I want to avoid that repetition.
0: The uh, with the seminars that you do are is that very much a, uh, I mean it sounds like it has been a funnel for business. But is yes. that some is is that the reason or is that just something that you just really like it's doing? Because I've seen you do multiple of them.
2: It's both. I uh, love teaching uh, and consulting is teaching. It's uh, a form of it, uh, and obviously it's a funnel. I think seminar is an effective way to market because it engages not just listening and reading, but you also see the speaker. It trains you to be a better speaker, it trains your memory, it makes you know your material better. Every time I prepare a new seminar while I'm building it or studying it, learning it, because I like rehearsing it, um, I get better, I understand material very well. And it may sound weird because it's the same thing, but it's really not, that's the process process of repetition that's how you get better at anything that's how you learn the language where I when I was learning English I was um, learning books by heart that's I felt like that was the most effective because to me a a sentence would be a formula and then I would just plug in different words so same thing I believe would apply to marketing as well to any other process you learn the framework and then you Plug in the blanks of whatever you want, rearrange it because you know the rules very well.
0: When it comes to marketing, like what puts you on on fire? Like, what's your favorite tie? I mean, is there a particular platform? Is there?
2: I love marketing. I love marketing so much uh, <laughs> that I I embrace everything. I developed a, a good mentality of not judging any opinion in marketing or not even in politics. I see marketing in everything. And uh, I loved, lately I loved watching debates, democratic debates, and I have no political affiliation. I am very indifferent to politics, quite frankly. I loved watching it from the PR perspective. I felt like a lot of candidates were very bland, saying same thing, and it was funny to see how they don't know about that. I think if each of them was separately there, or her, uh, they would sound pretty good, but because there would be 10 of them saying the same thing, and I didn't know most of them, to me they sounded like the same person, and quite frankly, even looked, so. (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, I thought that was interesting. I love watching documentaries, uh, on science, on business, on marketing, I, I, on music, I love reading and the range of books that I read. They, they are somehow closely or not relate relate to marketing. I think uh, I stopped reading fiction long ago after I had my masters in literature. I think I read everything possible, so um, I'm done with fiction forever. (laughs) Uh, So right now it's just uh, something educational usually. So that's what gets me fired up. I do listen to some podcasts. Um, Listening is not my my strength. I prefer to read than to listen. I memorize better, but I do sometimes. Some um, marketing podcasts, obviously.
0: That's so interesting to me because I'm like the complete opposite. <laughs> I have a hard time. I have a hard time like sitting still and reading.
2: Yeah, we're all different. And yeah, that's fine. it's uh,
0: it's just I don't know. It's just interesting.
1: From like a social media standpoint, like when new platforms come out, is that do you look at that as like a d- does that stoke the fire for you because it's something new to try out? Because I know that's how you are. Like anytime something new is, you're like, okay, this this could be another potential uh, arm to market on for somebody like me who's not passionate about marketing, it's just not my expertise, it's like uh, another thing I have to like <laughs> learn, right? Like, so, I, yeah. I, I just barely learned the last one. So like, how, how does that, yeah. I mean, do you feel like you have to struggle with that too or is it something that excites oh, I'm you? I'm
2: kind of more like you. I would think that, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, so another thing. Uh, because I feel like that's not where skill comes in place, I feel like learning a platform is easy, I feel like, mastering the technical part of it, or Googling how it works. um, You don't need a PhD for that. Mm -hmm. I feel like what's hard is actually to be creative. If you're creative enough that you can look at the new platform and already spark attention, yeah, I would applaud to that. Uh, uh, I think that people can do this. There's there's people that do that and take advantage of new platforms. I'm more, I would say, old school, maybe because I approach studying marketing with uh, studying copywriters, and for them, the most important thing was the message and creativity. So uh, I believe that that is a harder part to master. And learning platform, Mm
1: -hmm. not not so much. Not so much. (laughs) What else you got? I'm really interested in the note that I have here about. It says that you conduct a three-hour interview with every new client, asking over a hundred questions to create the best marketing strategy. Is this at, at the point that they've become a client, or yes. is this when you're so they, they've already established, hey, we're doing business with you, and yes, now this is a three-hour interview? Because I also do three-hour interviews. <laughs> 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 Drew, Drew's like, yes, you do. Um, no, so so walk me through. I mean, obviously, a hundred questions is a lot, but what are you trying to accomplish there? I mean. This is somebody that you've never done business before they're brand new. Yeah. This is your first attempt. so walk walk us through that.
2: Yeah, usually just to learn about their business and the the questions are structured and uh, by you know certain segments, so they don't so I don't miss anything while I'm talking to them. And this is just the first step. A lot of times I go to their, uh, if it's a business location to see how they work, how they function, the people that they work with, uh, their clients and how they interact. Uh, But that's just a effective way to collect information for me because usually I do that and then I go and do my own research uh, just from my own perspective. I'm trying to never look at uh, what my client does usually before I meet with them because I would like to preserve... uh, I would say a tabula rasa in my mind of not knowing what they're doing because I want to perceive their brand the way the the new client would perceive them and that, that's an important impression for me yeah. to maintain. So once I, I capture that, and I would remember that's what I thought about them because that would be what I will be working on, and when I would need to change that perception, that's what marketing does. Or if I need to build brand strategy, uh, that perception is very important. So then, um, then I would go and do my research uh, safely, knowing that I, I captured that that image or that perception the first time I met with them. Because so. You know how when people, you probably guys know that too, so when you meet with a client, they'd be like, well, did you go to my website? <laughs> it's, uh, you go, so you need to go to social media and check it out.
1: <laughs> so uh, I, I prefer not to do that. So are a lot of the clients that you take on, are they, are they brands maybe you you don't have any familiarity with, or how does your process change if you already have like a built-up mind uh, because of how you've consumed this brand or known about them or heard about them, uh, yeah. if they're now approaching you for marketing?
2: It does, I think. Uh, Uh, now you know when it's my profession I have a very good I I know how to separate perception from reality Uh, and even though I trust my perception I I learned how to trust it because that's I mean that's how you become a professional in that Uh, and uh, it's 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 interesting yes when the client is a brand that I'm familiar with because a lot of times what they tell me is not <laughs> how I perceive it. So, And just for me, the process might be a little faster to figure out what what strategically they need to do.
1: So, you both have the underdog mentality. I want to ask you both this. Are you more excited about a brand that approaches you that maybe has a a lot of work ahead of them to do. Uh, maybe it's a reputation thing, a PR thing, or, or just low results. Are you are you more excited about taking that on? Or a brand that is maybe a big name that has a lot of success behind it already and it's like a cool notch on the belt, like you get to work with this brand that has a big budget or whatever to kind of sustain it. What's more exciting there? What, what, what do you value more?
0: I'll let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. I, I, <laughs> I think uh, there
2: is no limit on how good your marketing and business can become, so that's the the good part about it. And uh, it's definitely more exciting to work on PR when you have budget, Mm. I have to say. For sure. Um, However, I think I'm an expert on bootstrapping as well, so (laughs) that taught me creativity, that you can do a lot with practically nothing um I think that even uh, brands, brands that are established uh, and they, everybody still has capacity to improve and not, not, not necessarily improve, but create amazing things, create amazing things. And uh, that is exciting. And if people understand it, even if they're established or not, if they want to create amazing things, they're
0: open-minded, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, the, so I, I I like both. I mean, even think about like New Scooters for Less, the first time we worked with Anheuser-Busch, and it was just like, oh, like, I mean, I know that that's completely different than marketing, but mm-hmm. it was it was still like that, like, oh my gosh, we're working with Anheuser-Busch, right. like, this is crazy. Uh, like, that was just one of those wow moments, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, if we had got those on, on the media marketing side, like, I think that would be, I think that would be fantastic. I am driven by companies that I meet that are, if they are driven to grow. I, I constantly see, and there's nothing wrong with this, uh, but I constantly find businesses that are, I would say, okay with the status quo. You know, I, I guess like the their business is not their motivation. It's not their fire. Like that maybe maybe it's just like I, okay, I I just want to make x amount of dollars so I can live my life and support my family. But you know, I'm not. I don't necessarily need to like it to grow exponentially or anything. You know what I mean? And I get you know, when I meet somebody who has that hunger and that fire to like really build something special and and to to grow it into something, I don't wanna say big, but just like, just the drive to grow, provide more jobs to like, you know, feed this economy, like that for me, I'm like, ah, like, I wanna help that person. (laughs) And then it's the, and then, you know, she's right, like, the hard part about that, you know, I have a lot of, you know, startups <laughs> that that come to us, mm-hmm. right? I have a lot of young businesses that come to us, and none of you know, none of them have the money. Um, they're just they're bootstrapping themselves, and and I think it's fine. Like I, we we talk a lot of the times, you know. I think that's why we provide a lot of content. I think this is where, you know, your your seminars are so great, right? Like people can come and they can like hear the information and and get some expert direction um, but they're not at they're not necessarily at a stage where they're going to be able to you know, invest a, a lot of money into the marketing of their company. So I think you know, at least with me, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create a lot of content. I'm gonna put a lot of stuff out there, and hopefully help these young companies get to a point where they go, all right, you know, we're at this point now. We are ready to, we are ready to invest more into our brand and into the marketing strategy. You know, let's let like let's hit calling up. Let's let's do that. Uh, you know, and I think, I just. I guess that that's the method i I want to work with the companies that really want to grow their brand and and grow their business um, and grow grow jobs for others and and boost the
1: economy and uh i don't know that's, do that's do my... companies do companies spend enough on marketing from a percentage of their revenue
2: yes, they do uh a lot of companies do, but they don't know what they're doing right, usually um usually especially in Gainesville. Uh, Marketing is very focused on um, a website and SEO and Google Ads. Um, That's not what creates your brand, really. So, um, you know, somebody that would create compelling content, and there's not so many companies that do that. They either have the skill, they actually might have the budget, but they still don't know that that's what builds
0: the brand. But it's really not their fault either, right? Like like, so, I I mean, I, I think a lot of times with even this business, how many people have come just walking through the door, saying, "Hey, I got this great, I got this great coupon book. Mm. <laughs> you know, you need to be in it. It's gonna grow your business." Like how many? We how hired many... somebody
1: that was pushing one of those ones. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> we actually, I we actually had a person. I mean, good reflection back, Mike. We had a, we had a person who came in, and she was such a great salesperson. She was such a great salesperson. I mean, she was she was pushing. She had a good follow up. She had like I I'm mean like, she hey, she, did, she did she did everything right? she did everything right. And I said, hey, I'm not going to be investing. <laughs> I'm not gonna buy this, I was it. a planner. It was like a US yeah. planner. I'm like, you realize that everybody puts this information in their telephone now, right? Like we don't <laughs> we don't use planners anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, so like I'm like so I'm not going to put a coupon in your planner. But I will offer you a job at New Scooters for less if you want to come and do sales. And she took it. She did.
1: She worked at the store. She was year, great. So yeah, she, she was, was fantastic. fantastic.
0: But um, but I mean that's like that's it, right? Like somebody's gonna walk in off the street trying to sell the next you know coupon. And businesses, and that's just not that's just not strategy. That's just buying a coupon, and they're not they're not really thinking about their long their end goals. Or you know maybe it's just like oh well, this is just going to help you sell more scooters, so you should you know buy this coupon. Yeah. And I and I think that's where we like, I, I, at least from a like agency standpoint, like that's <laughs> there there needs to be more a more. There needs to be more strategy. There needs to be an end focus, end goals that you can like create a plan in order to accomplish that. You know, just buying random ads and random things is not. Yeah, gonna work. you're
2: you're absolutely right because it's basically when you buying ads, um, it's like you're a tourist. You just buy ads. You're gonna be buying them, but if you're creating something, well, then. That will add, you will still spend your time or your money, but it will go into your brand equity. That's the difference. Yeah. And in the end, when you run this marathon after a certain time, the brand will weigh more when you're investing into it than when you just keep paying other
0: media. Is there, is there a company, you know where you look at them, you're like, the, these guys are getting it right. Like, is there anybody that we could aspire Loc- to locally? look at? It? Yeah,
2: yeah, there's or guys.
0: nationally. I mean, any yeah, any brand, but but I mean, I feel locally, it's you know we have a very local audience. So I think for somebody to be like, oh, all right, like let me at least just keep an eye on some of the stuff that this particular company is doing.
2: Um, I think there's a lot of amazing companies that do great PR, as funny as I'd say. But I think uh, the best PR people probably run Kardashian's family. And I do observe what they do, especially with experiential marketing. And the creativity is amazing. But I, I know not a lot of people would be able to follow them because, you know, because of the whole culture, how they do it. I'm not supportive of it at all. But I am able to dissociate myself and my feelings with, you know, just agreeing with their uh, lifestyle or looking at it from a marketing perspective. Okay. Um, so for marketers, yes, I would recommend um, following what they do. And uh, things I I follow a lot of marketers around the world that I uh, respect and admire, and uh, one of them is very famous uh, mark ritson he's australian marketing professor he has phd in marketing and he also started a mini mba school where he is providing mba classes for entrepreneurs and i think uh, the way he markets it is, uh, is a piece of art is very interesting to see how he does that i like that
0: okay cool so we have to wrap up in just a couple minutes, but what do you see, I mean, when you think of just Gainesville in the next five years, like what does, that, what does Gainesville look like in five, five, ten years for you?
2: I hope that people will know Gainesville not just as UF and football. Hmm. And, you, and I hope that all the businesses here will understand that the importance of UF is great, but we as businesses, can be separate from UF, I can make Gainesville a city that will be known for something else and not just for UF. That's what I
0: hope will happen in five years. I like it. Anything else, Mike? I'm good. Cool. Uh, where can our audience find you? I mean, we already said the Underdog Marketing. Marketing. Right. That's, yeah, website. that's my website. definitely check. That's that, that out. that's the website. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Go read these awesome blogs. I mean, very thought provoking. Um, and then <laughs> and then get on there and start commenting. <laughs> don't don't be afraid. Don't Don't be afraid, to, don't give be your afraid your to give your opinion. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or,
2: or, or create a fake profile. Uh, that is true. Go.
0: There you go. So is that, but any other social media? Yeah, all social
2: media, the underdog on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, I tweet sometimes, don't use Twitter as much more just for information. I like um, looking for information on Twitter, LinkedIn, same thing, Um,
0: yeah. Cool. Olga, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Colin. Appreciate you. 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 And uh, you know, Stay tuned for the next episode. Man. <laughs> the there's, next there's, episode. there's there's the, there's lots going on. We got, you know, it, it was it was great. I I have to say I'm gonna put out a little a little call real quick before we sign off because, you know, I uh, I want to see more. I want to highlight more female entrepreneurs. You know, I, one of the things that has happened recently. You know, if you guys have listened to the show for a while, been a long time, you know, followers, that kind of thing. I mean, we, I'm constantly um, trying to keep a solid mix, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to get the startups, the people with with a, you know, a, you know, a couple of years' experience, you know, 40 years of experience. Like, I like, I like to have that mix, um, different ethnicities, different. But like, you know, I, I've had a little struggle lately trying to find more female entrepreneurs. So if you are a female entrepreneur, or if you know one, I would definitely say please nominate them on our website um, so that way we can highlight some of the, the strong female entrepreneurs within this community. Cool, fantastic. Awesome. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. <laughs> I'd let you have that one. i let you have it. That was good. You gave me the good cue there. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.